You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Interstate Battery retail stores all over the United States. So whether you need a a new truck battery, which... By the way, I've heard that they are some of the best in the automotive industry, right? A truck battery, a car battery. If you need batteries for something as simple as a remote control or a unique battery for a rangefinder or one of your children's toys, uh, Interstate Batteries not only has those batteries available, if they don't have them, they can order them for you. Or if you need to find out more about a specific battery, battery or the specs of a specific battery stop into their retail store and talk with a battery specialist these guys are very knowledgeable about what products they offer and what it is that you need for whatever battery you're looking for so stop in to a local retail store or visit interstatebatteries.com to learn more about their company the batteries that they offer and a whole bunch of other stuff so check out interstatebatteries.com Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And this week, as we're getting ready for deer season to open, we thought it would be good to talk about early season success, ways to be successful in the deer woods in the early season. Because, you know, as we all know, season changes as it you know tactics change as season progresses and early season can be kind of tricky so we you know we kind of talk about some of those tactics that we use what our plans are for for early season so before we get into that as always i need to do our our sponsor read so sponsor for this episode is monster whitetail grub so Monster Whitetail Grub is a Ohio deer feed company. They, like I said, they're an Ohio deer feed company because they try to source everything locally from Ohio, even down to their packaging and things. So their ingredients are packaging. Their, their slogan is deer feed the Ohio way. So it's a good company and you get to support the Ohio economy. 
So we've had good success with it. And if that's something that you're interested in using this fall as a way to either get pictures of deer or get deer in front of your stand, I encourage you to check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors. And that's where all of our sponsor information is. You can get in touch with them and order some of their stuff. Or I've been seeing on their Facebook page that there's a, a handful of retailers throughout the state that are starting to carry their product. So check them out, Monster White Tail Grub. And now, updates for this week, guys. What do you, uh, what's new in your neck of the woods? I guess I'll go first. So I have some bad news. I went back to the Uh-oh. doctor. Uh, after having my hernia surgery because something didn't feel quite right. Uh, so I went back to the surgeon and they discovered a second hernia. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, the, the surgeon, cause this is actually a different surgeon than I had originally. Um, because my original surgeon was on vacation. Uh, but I, I think I took her back, you know, because she said, you know, do you want to wait for him to get back to have your surgery or would, you know, would you want me to do it? And, you know, I basically flat out said, like, I either want this done as soon as possible or I'm not getting it done for months because I'm a hunter and hunting season's coming up and <laughs> I need I need to be back to normal. Right. You know, and I think I, I kind of shocked her because I was like, I'll, I'll deal with it, you know, for a couple of months <laughs> or, you know, yeah. but she was like, you know, when, when do you want to be back to normal or basically when, you know, when are you looking to start hunting? And she's like, yeah, I think, you know, we can manage that, you know, don't go too crazy, but I think you know, being up and active and, you know, that kind of stuff by deer season shouldn't be a problem. But, well, that's good. Yeah. I'd have told her I wanted to be back to normal after the first surgery. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. So they got you scheduled and you're, you're all set yeah. on that. Yep. I'm scheduled. I got my, pre-surgery covid test today take two yeah try two well that was actually another good story because you know it's a drive-through you, know, you drive pull into a parking spot and the nurse comes out and says you know have you had a covid test before and i told her i said yeah i know exactly what you're about to do to me there's no element of surprise <laughs> like you know I know exactly what's about to happen. You tell her that I brought my own tissues since you don't provide them. Well, this time, this is a funny story. This time they did provide me a tissue, but it was like a piece of tissue paper, like the cheapest, like garbage <laughs> tissue you could ever imagine. She hands me that and a, uh, a paper, you know, basically I, telling me like the if i if i test positive like what i'm supposed to do okay um 
but yeah, Sheehan's just this tiny, like I, the most garbage tissue I've ever seen. And it's like, yeah, this isn't nothing. I had a, <laughs> a roll of paper towels in the passenger seat next to me. So, you know, <laughs> she did it. And I took her tissue and immediately like, you know, plugged my nose and grabbed a paper towel and put it on there. But yeah, this time wasn't as bad as the first time. They had oh, that's me, good. They had me open my mouth. She said, open your mouth all the way. And oh. exhale. And that like prevented my nose from clinching like as much like the uh, the sneeze or the gag reflex of my nose. Okay. Like with my mouth open all the way, like it, it, that I don't think those muscles could clinch as much. So hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't as terrible this time. That's good. They're so. getting it figured out. Yeah. Good. Well, not good, but. Right. Glad it was better than last time. Yeah. So I'll be uh, gimping around for early, you know, dove season and probably early deer season. I'll be pretty weak because I'm I'm not supposed to lift anything over 20 pounds for six weeks after the surgery. So what you're telling us is we're going to have to drag your deer for you. Yeah, probably. Well, and I'm <laughs> I'm gonna have to hunt from like the ground because I can't carry a bow and a stand. You know. Oh right. That's yeah. way more than twenty pounds. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she said uh, you know, because they're you know, my original hernia was on my left side. This one's on the right. So basically. She said, you know, your whole lower abdomen, you know, will now be weakened. So you're it's going to take some time. Yeah. So pretty unfortunate. I mean, I guess it's better than in the middle of season, but pretty unfortunate timing. Yeah. Had they found it, you know, found the both hernias at the same time. I would be all healed up by now but i gotta have them back to back so yeah double header all right at least you get that i won't get one free discount (laughs) right right i gotta buy one get one free a little bogo yeah yeah uh and that's the yeah that's the funny thing now is you know, they're they're asking me like, you know, if I order this test, will you get it? And it's like, sure, I will. What do I care? You know, like if I if I order blood work, are you gonna get it? And it's like, yeah, sure. <clears throat> I don't care. So, don't get me started on our healthcare and insurance yeah. billing and oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. I just, I can't imagine not having insurance, you know. That's got to be one of the most bass-ackwards broken systems yeah. in this country. 
-hmm. It's one of the only things that you buy and don't know how much it's going to cost. Yeah. I mean, unless you're the type that goes to a fancy restaurant with no no prices on the menu. But I can't think of anything else that you buy. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to have this test done. And then they just send you a bill. And it's like, well, figure it out. Uh, you know, yeah. I know you didn't know that was going to be a $1,000 test, but sorry. Yeah. Well, and to complicate things even more, it really isn't a $1,000 test. They just have to bill it that way in order to get reimbursed some fraction of that, which makes it even more broken. Yeah. Because not only do you not know how much things cost, but not everybody pays the same price for the same service. Right. And there's really no dictating who pays what. It's just, it's really screwed up. <laughs> you just get my blood pressure up. So, anyhow. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I digress. So no real update. Well, a little update. I I uh, I've checked my camera, my trail camera in the backyard. That's the only camera I have. Uh, it's been up soaking for a month, and it's not. I'm not putting any feed or anything, and it, it's not like it's a well worn trail. But you know, I see some tracks back there from time to time, and nothing, you know, exciting. I got a. Uh, what looks to be like a, you know, maybe a four point in velvet. Um, and then I had a, a doe and fawn that had been hanging out back there for a while. My, my uh, wife and daughter actually saw the, the fawn one day come, you know, it was out back and then come running up through the yard past the house. And, but uh, that was cool. I mean, cool yeah, to see, cool. but uh I'm going to, I think what I'm going to try this year, there's a, uh, I've seen, I thought, I think I've talked about it last year and I just didn't do it, but I've seen people cut a piece of vine, you know, the vine that grows in the woods or whatever and hang it from a tree as like a, a licking branch for a, a, a mock scrape. And I've got a little sort of secluded area of my, my backyard that I, I'm going to try it's where I've got this camera. I'm going to try and set something like that up. It's, it's, we'll see if it works. Cause it's not like on a field edge or something. It would be just off the field edge. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. I don't know, but it'll be a fun yeah. experiment. Why not? Right. Yeah. My plan is to try and do the same thing. I mean, not just necessarily with the vine, but because I'm not getting any, bucks or very few bucks and the ones i do get are not ones that i want to harvest off my property um i'm going to try and open up some scrapes and see if that does anything um because rumor has it that there's people around have seen big deer i've yet to see pictures of them but i've heard a couple different people tell me that they saw big deer so within I mean, definitely within distance of my property. So, um, so they're there, they're around, I guess. So I just got to try to figure out how to get them on my property. Yeah, that's good news. And if it doesn't work before the rut, I've got plenty of, uh, attractant to bring them in during the rut because I'm loaded with does. So, <laughs> yeah, so we'll see, but yeah, yeah that's kind of my only update. Nothing 
to write home about, I guess, other than um, I got the does coming in. I get a few bucks here and there, but they're, like I said, nothing that's going to be on my target list this year, uh, at least for my own property. The one, if I came across it, you know, later season on public land, I'd probably shoot it, but, um, not something I'm going to shoot at my, on my property just cause there's not a ton of hunting pressure. Um, you know, I mean, at least from what I'm told that there's not a ton of people that hunt. So as long as they sit tight on or around my property, they don't have a ton of pressure. So sure. We'll see. Okay. But yeah. Question for you, Jake. Has your neighbor's chicken started laying eggs yet? Do you know? Last I heard, no. Um, but I don't think they had tried putting any fake eggs or golf balls or anything in yet. But last I talked to them, they had not started laying eggs. I think mine are defective. You think? <laughs> I don't know. I keep threatening to, if these things don't start laying eggs soon, they're going in the pot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- yeah. I found out, did I tell you guys this, that the the type of chickens we got are, I found this, this out after the fact, are, are typically tend to start laying eggs later than, I don't know, other breeds maybe. Have I told you guys this yet? No. No. So, so we got Easter egg chickens, which are supposed to lay like Easter color, eggs? you know, sort of like they're the shells are like a, a bluish green can be a bluish or greenish color. Well, we thought, oh, that'll be fun. That'll be cool. They're, you know, they're supposed to be good, good layers. The, the, the woman that lets me hunt on our property here locally she recommended, oh, yeah, Easter eggers are good. They're friendly. They're good, you know, good laying chickens. Well, you know, if you Google when do chickens start laying eggs, you know, you'll find like 16 weeks. When they're 16 weeks old, you know, you can start looking for eggs. So 16 weeks come and go. And I'm like, what in the world, man? No eggs, no eggs. 17 weeks, no eggs, no eggs. So I Google when do Easter eggers start laying eggs. Well, because Easter eggers are a, a cross between, uh, you know, t- like an Americana chicken and something else. Well, because of that, you know, I was reading like they start laying at 20 weeks or it takes up to six months for them to start laying. So as of today, uh, wow. August 10th, they are 21 weeks old and still no eggs. So I'm frustrated with my, <laughs> with my chickens, but, uh, I'm sure in due time it'll happen, but yeah, that's all I have for, for updates. You guys got anything else? No. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Just, uh, counting the days down, getting yeah. closer. Yep. All right. So. Well, let's get into our topic for this week then. 
Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so today we've got Jacob, Jeff, and myself, and... As we're getting closer and closer to fall hunting season, we thought it would be a a, a fun or interesting conversation to talk about opening day success. And we're we're not just going to talk about whitetails. We, you know, we ourselves pursue things other than whitetails in the fall. And we know a lot of you do also. And so we're going to cover a variety of things here. So... What are you guys, like, I know I'm starting to get, even though the leaves aren't starting to change, it's still hot, you know, it's, what is this, late late July we're recording, but I'm starting to get the itch, I'm starting to get the bug, right, where you're really starting to think about fall hunting season. I put my first trail camera up, uh, I guess it's been... A couple weeks ago now, I'm try- just, just out in the back, and I'm trying to be very diligent about not going back there and checking it, because when it's right in your backyard, it's easy to just like, yeah, I'm going to go check the camera. You know, Dad, Dad <laughs> checks his religiously, yeah. man. Every day. <laughs> Every, Every day. day. <laughs> yeah. And wonders why his bucks yeah. are nocturnal. Yeah, he gets a picture <laughs> right. of a... Of a of a buck in the daylight. He's like, Oh, I hope he sticks around for, for deer season. It's like, well, no dude, you're back there right. every day. Well, and also he, you know, will put corn out and wonder, Oh, you know, the birds just eat it all up, you know? And it's like, yeah. Cause you're putting literally a cup out every day for them. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like there's none left for the deer. After yeah. you put your one cup out. Yep. Takes yeah, a jar full back there or something. Yeah, he's funny because yeah. I buy, I'll get a pick up corn for him, and you know he's like, oh yeah, that one bag, I, that fifty pound bag, that that'll last me six months. <laughs> like <laughs> that'll last me a day, two days. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I, you got a lot of deer. I'm like, oh, I don't know, I do have a lot of deer, but I think yeah. he's uh. A little stingy with his corn, though. He's good for a laugh. But in all in all seriousness, right? So I put my first camera up, and I don't, I don't know. I did, you know, if you guys listen back during turkey season, I I did sort of uh, start a relationship with the farmer that owns the property behind my house. But you know, he made it very clear that he's got a group of guys that deer hunt back there, and you know, so I. I don't like my chances for getting deer hunting permission. I'm pretty confident that, you know, if I were to shoot a deer on my property and it ran onto his property, which is probably what would happen, he would be fine with me going to get it. But I don't know that I, I, being totally honest, I most likely won't hunt back there, but it's just cool to, uh, 
get the camera out, I guess, and see what kind of pictures I can get. So I guess to continue on that line of thinking, what are you guys doing to get ready for fall hunting season, right? The cameras obviously are, are a, uh, a whitetail, typically a whitetail targeted thing. Although Jeff, you'd be the type of guy that would put cameras out for, for squirrels. I think, have you done that? I I've, I've done it. To, I mean, no, not specifically for tur- for squirrels. Okay. Um, but I've definitely used camera, you know, trail cameras to identify that, like, you know, because I'm I'm after a black squirrel, and I've definitely used trail cameras and like, oh, hey, there's a black squirrel that shows up on this trail camera. Oh, okay. And I <laughs> intend used, in- used I, intel from a trail yeah. camera. Yeah. Yeah. And I intend to use a trail camera for uh, waterfowl hunting. I'm going to set it up, you know, like on the water, you know, the water's edge to basically so then I know when they're coming and if if any waterfowl are coming to that spot. So at your house or where are you? do you care to disclose where you're going to do this? I mean, I'm going to do it at, I, I mean, I, I don't know yet, but I would, I would do it at my house and, uh, out at our grandparents' farm, the private property that I have access to. Sure. I mean, I think the public stuff's a little, you know, I, I hate putting trail cam- cameras out on public to begin with because of the risk of getting them stolen. Yeah. And also just, I don't, I don't think it's as good of a strategy on public because, you know, on public land, a lot of times you're hunting the other hunters. Right. So. Makes sense. And you so, could also, go ahead, Jake. Jeff, when you get this circle back to the black squirrel are you mounting that baby or what's going on with that what are you gonna do i'm planning to get it i'm planning to get it mounted but i don't know we'll see because that's getting a squirrel mount is one of those things where the prices vary drastically you know from not very much you know like 150 bucks to up to the price of almost a deer mount. Oh, wow. You know, so if I could find someone who does good work at an affordable price, I'll get it mounted. But I gotta, I gotta find someone to do it. And I gotta shoot one first. So you have Intel on one. Yes. This, this year I will shoot a black squirrel. So if you're, I I mean, you better have, You better have uh, a taxidermist lined up then, right? Or I guess you could skin it and put it in your freezer or something. Well, I don't, I'm not even going to skin it. I'm going to maybe gut it and put it in the freezer so I don't damage it. Okay. So if anybody uh, knows a taxidermist that uh, does squirrels for a reasonable price, you know, hit us up. Let Jeff know. Yeah, hit us up. So, and then the other thing, Jeff, you were working on was, uh, you were trying to get a little, um, sunflower plot for doves, right? And that kind of, that kind of went bust. Yeah. 
completely went bust. Um, I have one black oil sunflower that actually has started the bloom. One, <laughs> one made it to maturity. One. <laughs> so that's basically a complete bust. I mean, yeah. there's, some, there's some others that still might come to bloom. Some other sunflowers. Uh, but they're because some of the ones that survived, you know, like some of them had the top nipped off of them, but they're still living. So they might still eventually bloom, but, but it, it, it but didn't even turn that, out well. Yeah. 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 Even at that, it's not like you got a whole field of right sunflowers. <clears throat> right. Or even a patch of sunflowers. I have sporadic, like one here, one there. Right. It's, yeah, a disaster. Did not did not turn out. Complete and total bust. Yeah. So those are a few things that uh, we've got, or I don't even want to say in the works, but just like some early season getting ready for uh, fall hunting season to open up. Yeah, I went down so, and mowed by my pond, you know, mowed the whole bank. So yeah, okay. there's... You know, when the geese do start flying again, they'll be fresh, you know, fresh growth, young, tender grass growth. So we'll see how that works. Okay. Most people try to keep the geese away from their pond. I'm trying to attract them. So <laughs> what's your, because uh, you don't have a, a, a retrieving dog. What's your plan if you if you shoot one and it falls in the middle of your pond? Kayak. Oh, I forgot you had the kayaks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just kayak out and get it. Okay. All swim. Right. I'm just gonna strip butt naked <laughs> and swim out there. <laughs> I mean, and I I have thought about this like in in earlier season, you know, because there's a couple places I might go hunt that are. Uh, you know, for early goose that I, I'm not going to take the kayak with me. And it's like, well, if one actually falls like in the middle of the water, I'm just going to have to swim out there and get it. Like <laughs> I don't have any other way of getting to it. Yeah. You have to so. get good with your uh, lasso. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or your lifeguarding skills. Throw the, throw that, uh, right. that lifesaver ring thing out there. Yeah. A donut float. See if you could snag it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. All right. So, I guess do you guys where do we where do we want to start? Do we want to talk whitetails and then go into the the other species, or where do we want? What do you guys think? Let's leave whitetails till the end. Whitetails to the end. Okay. Yeah, because I mean that's kind of that's most likely going to be the climax of our conversation. Okay. So, all right. So we touched on doves a little bit. Do you want to start with doves? Sure. All right. So, you know, I guess the, uh, you know, full disclosure here, Jeff may have done a little bit more in the way of dove hunting, but last season was our first sort of official dove hunt. 
organized dove hunt yeah yeah organized dove hunt group of guys together and 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 gals your wife joined us yeah and uh so this season coming up like i said jeff you tried to plant a little dove plot sunflower plot that was sort of a bust but looking forward to dove season i guess my plan is you know, sort of more the same of last year, right? We found they they had corn in in the, and that might be a little different this year. Is like I haven't been out. I don't know, Jake, if you've been out there to sort of survey s- survey what crops they've got and what fields out there. But last year it was corn, and there was that a couple of the that area with a couple of those dead trees where the you know they were kind of like roosting trees or or doves that were coming through the area were wanting to stop off at that tree it seemed like for you know for a while and that was kind of a good place to to camp out you know we could kind of get into doves coming and going from that area right so you know the plan my plan at least is to sort of look for similar scenarios to that do you guys have anything any other thoughts or or any other game plans for sort of opening day success on doves yeah that was my plan was to hit those same dead trees and hope that lightning strikes twice i mean (laughs) they certainly yeah they certainly flock to those trees i mean i outside of that we didn't have any luck i don't think did we did we shoot any doves that weren't coming or going from those trees we flushed a a, we flushed a a few out of the rows yeah we were walking one of the yeah. fields, but but I don't think anyone got a shot at any of those. Yeah, well, we shot at them. We just didn't kill them. Yeah. We just didn't, because I I flushed one out of the corn, and I still am not sure. I mean, other than just it was a poor shot angle, if you will. You know, I flushed it out, and it was flying away from me. Um, because Dad. Well, Dad flushed it out, and he didn't have a shell in his gun, so he clicked <laughs> at it, and then then I shot. So it was a little further away, but I hit it and dusted feathers off of it, and we sat there and watched it because we were trying to see where it fell, you know, because it's like that thing's hit bad. I mean, it had feathers, and it just flew. You know, we watched it for a mile. I mean, it just flew a mile away. <laughs> you know it just disappeared into the horizon it's like well i guess i didn't hit it that well well but. i guess so speaking of that jeff and i think you maybe were going to get into this but i know after that scenario you really started looking at your dove ammo selection all right because i just went out right. and bought the shells that had the dove <laughs> the picture of the dove on them right <laughs> that was right. the extent of my my uh ammo research but but after last season, you you did some homework on dove ammo, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have I, intentions. I'm probably going to use a federal hybrid. I mean, it's kind of expensive. So if you're really getting into the doves, that's an expensive dove hunt. But if we get into those same sort of shots where it's further shots um you know because the majority of our shots we had last year were these 
doves trying to fly into the very top branches of this dead tree to roost. Right. And so they were long shots. Um, and we, we did a lot of dust in the feathers off birds or we'd, we'd hit them and they'd be hit. They'd fly down, but they're still alive. And, mm-hmm. you know, now they're in brush and we got to find a follow up shot. And... Yeah, because of so, course they or or they just crawl up under the thickest, nastiest, nastiest briar patch they can get under, you know, and it's like, right. Yeah. Right, so uh, I'm, and I'm going to be using, uh, f- if, if we get into that same scenario, a much tighter choke. You know, I'm going to bring some different chokes to switch out from. So if we get into that scenario, I'm going to be much better prepared. That's a good idea. I should look into that. Because yeah. I don't, I don't, for my 20 gauge, I don't know that I have a selection of chokes. I shot a 20 gauge last year and I've got a better 20 gauge. I've got a, cause I was shooting a, I was actually shooting a youth 20 gauge. It was a 20 gauge that I started deer hunting with. And it, you know, it just, uh, you know, now that I'm a, you know, a, a full grown small adult, it doesn't fit me very well (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah just like i found myself i found myself when i would shoulder that shotgun i wasn't looking down the rib you know i had to like adjust it and find you know because i i think i told you guys this i don't know that i talked about this on the podcast but um i went to a a team building event with work back when you used to do that kind of thing, be around other people. And we went and actually shot, um, I guess it was, and I don't know, shot, shot trap, I guess. I don't know the difference. I'm, I, I don't, you know, trap, skeet, whatever. I think it was trap. Do you guys know the difference? No, not okay. exactly. Well, anyhow, um, yeah, they no. were th- they were throwing clays from a a a central house shooting house, and we you know you line up on a line. <clears throat> it's like what they have the the like the high school competitive shooting things you see, right? You get you line up on a line, right? It wasn't like going from station to station. Everybody shot from the same place, and the 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 thrower threw them out at at a random you know angle, distance, whatever. Anyway. There was like a, a half moon cement area. Is that what there was? Yeah, it was like a cement bunker. Right, but it, and then like there, you you probably were only shooting straight from behind, but there was like stations that you could go and angle out around that center bunker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was a team-building event, yeah, because it was a team-building event, they had guys lined up at each of the stations, and then we just took turns, you know, okay, it's your turn when it throws, it's your turn to shoot, Uh you know. Okay. Now it's your turn, you say pull, and it'll throw one. That's what we did. Whatever that's called, that's what we did. Yeah. Anyhow. That's 
uh, that's either skeet or trap. That's not sporting clays. I know okay. that. Okay. So they provided you had to buy the shells at like at cost, whatever from the the club that we went to. But the members of the club provided a, a variety of shotguns, over unders, um, semi. They you know they had a variety of stuff. And I shot an over-under. I had never shot an over-under. And that gun just fit me. Like, I shouldered that gun, and I was looking right down the rib, you know. And I was breaking clays like a machine, man. I was feeling good about myself. So that, you know, I had done that. Then we did this dove hunt, and I'm throwing up this youth 870, and it's like, man, <laughs> I, this is not working. So, anywho, I have a, a full-grown 870 this year i mean i've got other 12 gauges i could shoot a 12 gauge you know but i have a a uh, full-size 870 now so still 20 any, gauge or 12 gauge still 20 gauge i have a 20 gauge 870 now from grandpa gotcha that's cool so that's a long story to say i might look at getting some other chokes for that because i like jeff's idea of uh being able to swap chokes out on the fly depending on what kind of shots you're getting into yeah because i mean last year we needed distance you know i mean they they weren't you didn't need your pattern opened up very much at all because they were basically stationary landing on a branch but they were a distance so yeah last year we we needed our patterns as tight as possible and I'm sure this year we'll probably have birds flying low everywhere, you know, coming, you know, like 15 feet away from us and we'll need our <laughs> right. patterns as open as possible. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, other other ideas, you know, if, if you can't hunt a food source for doves early season, um, basically, if you don't have a dove field or a cut wheat field, um, good places to look or trees where the doves are going to want to roost um and then water um you know they they like to hang out by water especially if there's gravel you know like uh ponds that have a gravelly edge or uh if there's a creek next to the field you know they like to go into those places to uh drink and then get grit to digest their food with well that's a good i mean now that you say that that's a good you know if you have property that has like a a gravel or dirt road that runs through it right that you know right. in the morning times you know you'll just see them on the side of a, a asphalt road right but you get that kind of gravelly shoulder and you'll see doves you know flushing off the side of the road because they're there that's what they're doing they're getting that grit for the crop you know yeah I was driving down a road yesterday, yesterday evening, like right around dusk, and this one section of road had so many doves on the power lines that the power lines were sagging. I've really? never, I've never seen so many doves, you know. But yeah, and fat doves too. I mean, just real fat lunker of doves, <laughs> you know. And they, there was. I mean, they were just all down the power line. Huh. You know, and like groups of like 
two or three. Mm. Yeah, you know, I I'm assuming that there was it was probably pretty uh, fertile nesting ground and you know that area, and so they were just sitting there in their family groups or whatever, just all down the power lines. Hmm. Just booner doves. Yeah, just booner doves. All right, so I think that pretty much, I mean, that exhausts my my knowledge or what I have to say about doves. Do you guys have anything else you want to add on doves before we move on? No, that basically exhausts my my knowledge and expertise of doves. Yeah, I'm good. You okay. Know, whack, a, whack a few pine trees if you're not finding any. They like to hang out in pine trees too, so... You know, if you're having a dry day, maybe go walk, find where there's some, you know, small pine trees, walk past those. You might flush one or two out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk squirrels now. First of all, Jake, do you have intentions of hunting squirrels this year? Yes, because I got a lot of squirrels at my property, so I'm going to... Okay. Have a good old time out there shooting them. Okay. Yeah, I, I plan on it. I I don't want to say that it's overrun with squirrels, but there's definitely... Squirrels are not hard to find when you're out walking around. You yeah. hear them run, you know, running through the trees. and So I think it'll be a pretty... I don't want to say easy, but easy <laughs> place to at least shoot a couple. I don't think they've ever been hunted. So once I start shooting at them, they might make themselves scarce. But for now, I think I, I mean, there's some you can walk up. I don't want to say close enough to throw a rock at, but pretty close to them and they don't scurry off. So you're going to take the neighbor's boys with you? Uh, I, you know, I've thought about it, but I don't know. I don't know because the, the older boy, he would, be fine he'd be good at it i might take him um but the younger boy he's five and i think he wants to shoot but i don't think his dad's introduced him yet and i don't want to be the guy to you know because his dad hunts i don't want to i don't think he wants me to introduce him but it's kind of like for me it's like what are you waiting on dude (laughs) okay Um, i got you you know what i mean like he yeah yeah he wants to, like I was out, I got a pellet gun or whatever, and I was out shooting it the other day, and he came up and was like, let me try, let me try, and I'm like, I don't really know. It's like, do you know how? Have you ever looked through a scope? Do you know how to work this? Do you know how to hold it? No, no. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, <laughs> maybe we should talk to your dad first. <laughs> yeah. So. But the older one would be, he'd be fine. I just don't know. They're both busy with sports. So I don't know. If they're sports, who knows? You know, if there's going to be football or whatever for the kids. <laughs> right. And right. Yeah. Be more finding time, but we'll see. Well, you know, if you need help cracking a few squirrels, uh, you know, give me a call. I'll call you. <laughs> I'll call you. I'm going to need some help cracking a few deer. So I'm going to need your help there, too. Yeah. All right. I want to pause here briefly to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. Mastin's is a deer scent company, and 
it's not just liquid scent. So they've got lots of different options. They've got scented gel crystals, which you can refresh with liquid scent. They obviously have your liquid scents. They also have deer scented candles. So doe and estrus candles, and those can be used with their double scent stacker, which is, is basically an aluminum tube with some, some vents cut in it that you can put the candle down in so it doesn't blow out. Then it's got a tray on top. You can add liquid scent that the candle then heats the scent. And so it allows you, as the name implies, to stack scents or layer scents, if you will. And the scents are heated to make them more realistic. So lots of different options, lots of great prices. So check them out. Go to mastinsdeersense.com or you can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and find all of our sponsor information there. And now let's get back into the conversation. So my strategy for squirrels is um, just go where I plan to deer hunt because they're always (laughs) 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 a little, you know, that's a joke, but that's, you know, it always seems to be the thing. You know, you go squirrel hunting, can't find a squirrel, you go deer hunting and all you find is squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope to, uh, Ella's, you know, she talks about going deer hunting and, and, you know, I took her last year and we sat in that blind, you know, and we just kind of hung out and chatted. But, uh, I think we could actually have a chance at a, at a squirrel, but she, uh, you know, if I can get her interested, I'd like to take her squirrel hunting again and, and hopefully get a squirrel this time. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Early season squirrel hunting is very tough. You know, I, if I, if I wasn't, didn't have so much, uh, I don't know, pent up, like need to hunt, hunting addiction, I would not participate very often in early season squirrel hunting. It's a bit of a different game. It's, yeah, it's a totally different game in my opinion. I mean, because most of the time you can't see very far in the woods. You absolutely, I mean, it's very hard to see up in the trees, you know, because they're all leaved out. And most of the time the squirrels don't really come to the ground at all. You know, it's the best strategy is you, you listen for the the rain, if you will, the rain of nuts falling out of trees and go to, you know, find that tree basically. And you sit there underneath of it until you can spot the squirrel, you know, Mm -hmm. and drop him out. You typically use a shotgun or a 22 for early season. Uh, Typically a 22, um, just because most of the shots are really far, you know, okay. you're, you're sitting there trying to poke them out of the top of trees. Um, see, I was thinking about trying a shotgun this year because, because of the leaf cover, right? I don't have to have that perfect window. I can just, mm-hmm. I know there's one, you know, like right there but I just saw him go behind that cluster of leaves sort of thing. 
Yeah, you know? I mean that's that's a valid strategy as well. You know, it's kind of just shoot. You know, or like I can see his tail, but I can't see his head, or you know, like right, right, just kind of shoot into the the ball of leaves it's in. Yeah. You know, that's it's a valid strategy. Um I've not had a ton of luck doing that. Um most of the time when I scroll hunt with a shotgun, it's I mean, really I I use a shotgun to scroll hunt less and less nowadays. I just seem to have better luck. I seem to see more squirrels when I'm using the 22. And I don't know if that's just because it's, you know, quieter shooting. So it doesn't spook them as much or just luck or what. But uh, that, that could be. I mean, there could be something to that. You know, you don't have the big boom of a shotgun. And, you know, it's yeah. just a crack of a 22. And the squirrels are kind of like, no, what was that? And then they kind of go about their business versus, you know, the big bang. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, th- that's sort of, I mean, obviously there's the, as far as like finding squirrels, right? Nut trees, mass producing trees, right? That's, I mean, you can do some scouting now before season opens and find, you know, because we all know oak trees don't, I mean, they, they might make some acorns every year, but they've got, you know, years where like, this tree or the, this group of trees is, is really got a lot of acorns or, you know, this, this block of woods or this corner of the woods or whatever, you know, it's like, man, these trees are just loaded. Um, yeah, yeah. just find mass producing trees. And like Jeff said, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's hard to spot them from far away, but you know, you're kind of a lot of times using your ears more to sort of track yeah. down that one tree that they're in. Yeah, and those first couple of weeks, first two weeks, you know, usually hickory trees are the ones you want to get to, um, just because those their nuts get ripe, if you will, a little, little sooner a lot of times than other mass-producing trees. So I have best luck with hickory trees, find a, you know, batch of, hickory trees you know even if you're having a slow day just find some hickory trees and sit up in them and you know if nuts start falling down find the squirrel or the bird sometimes it's a bird but something's up there if the nuts start falling down do you use binoculars do you do either of you use binoculars for For squirrel hunting squirrel hunting i've never used binoculars no okay i can't say that i've Squirrel hunted enough to answer that question honestly. <laughs> to have a preference one way or yeah, another. Yeah, to have a preference, right? I wouldn't be opposed to doing it. I guess I don't. I mean, I think it could be, especially in early season, where they're hard to kind of pick out. Right. But I could count the number of times I've squirrel hunted, probably on one hand, if not definitely on two. So I plan to hunt squirrel more, but I just haven't in the past. Yeah. Okay. So, do we get into deer now? Yeah, I mean, because I don't, I, you know, I'm the other early 
uh, hunting season would be goose and teal, and I don't have any advice there, really. Your strategy is to try. Yeah, yeah my strategy is to try. Yeah, <laughs> yep, get out there. I mean, obviously, I'm going to scout. I mean, I think that's the kind of the strategy there is, uh, at least my strategy so far is to find where some's at and go there early season and try to shoot one. Give it the old college try. Yeah. Okay. So. So early season deer strategy, and this is going to, you know, maybe be a a little specific to us because uh, we did get drawn for uh, a parks lottery hunt this year, which we're in the first uh, block of time that you're allowed in there. So we are... Uh, sort of again, you know, if you listen last season, we're sort of again in a scenario where we're going to be hunting a block of ground that we're not allowed to go in and do boots on the ground scouting. So we're doing digital scouting and, you know, day one, go in there and try to scout and hunt, basically. And but but i guess overall what you know whether you're in a parks hunt or you're hunting private or you're hunting public what cuz obviously right your strategy changes throughout the season so what do you guys kind of key in on early season when you know for deer hunting i guess well for me it's i mean it's kind of a not that i want the deer season time to change but it's kind of a really sort of an unfortunate time that our deer season kicks off because all summer deer on a feeding pattern a lot of times they're on the soybeans hitting the soybeans hard 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 and then typically the soybeans turn like a week before deer season opens yeah so that changes everything if you're hunting farmland you know i mean because which a lot of the state is right if you're you know dried out brown soybeans are not not as favorable or palatable as the green you know they much prefer the green beans um so they turn to their yellow brown stage it's like usually like a week before which moves everything so i guess that shift right so i would i guess if you've never followed that or tracked that um don't get your hopes up too high on not saying it will happen but big deer coming into the bean fields at night because that could easily not that could change (laughs) right your dad Um, checking your camera every day and you consistently right (laughs) right? it's like right here they're here they're here and then like you said it seems like a week or so before season you know that the this shift happens. Right. Um, so from, that's kind of the one thing I've noticed or from experience, you know, like out at grandpa's farm, it's like, man, there's these really nice deer, big deer, big deer, big deer. And then they disappear. Where do they go? It's like ghost town. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and part of that is, 
you know, once opening day comes around, everybody's in the woods. <laughs> well, and um, even before opening day, right? There's right. like this influx, like, oh, everybody's like, oh, geez, right. season opens next week. I better go hang a bunch of stands, you know? And right, right. Like we've or talked in the go. past, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that have access to those woods, and all of a right. sudden, there's a lot of human activity out there. Right, right. So that's kind of been my experience, not really a strategy more or less other than don't put all your eggs in one basket based on evidence that may not be accurate. (laughs) Right. You know, if you have, I mean, you have to try and hunt what you, you know, using your trail cameras. I mean, I'm not saying ignore all of it, that deer still lives somewhere in the neighborhood, but don't, necessarily lock yourself in like i'm gonna hunt this camera has gotten you know this monster buck in this bean field whatever five days a week five nights a week for the last month that doesn't mean he's gonna be there opening day (laughs) because one there's more pressure to the beans turn you know so it's just it's you just have to i guess use your woodsmanship a little bit and maybe try to find an access route or maybe track back where he might be coming from to the beans instead of just sitting yeah. over well and I think any lonely sits over a bean field yeah opening day <laughs> well and i think it's a good opportunity to use like historical data you know if you have historical trail camera knowledge that yep Every year, you know, I've got pictures, 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 and then a couple days before season or a week before season, week and a half, whatever, things shift, right? And I stop getting pictures on this camera, but I, I start getting more pictures on, you know, this other camera back over here in the woods in some thicker cover, or, you know. But if you right. if you can sort of learn that historical shift that historical pattern then instead of you know because it feels like it's the most you know you hear people talk about mri most recent information right you got to hunt the most recent information and so it feels like you're hunting the most recent information i got pictures of deer here last week you know but you know there's a like we just said there's a lot going on right the crops are are hardening off browning up they're not a desirable food source or, or, or near as a, as a desirable food source. There's all of a sudden a lot more human activity, you know, walking field edges, looking for deer sign, people sort of scouting, last minute scouting, people get antsy, right? And deer react to both of those things. Right. And the weather doesn't typically cooperate because it's usually warm. And the deer have started to put on their winter coat, so they're not real fond of cruising around either yep. at times. So, yep. and another, um, if you listen to a previous episode, I talked about another strategy is I will never hunt over near water or standing water specifically. Yeah, on open still day. slow moving. Yeah, yeah. The mosquitoes. Oh my gosh, the mosquitoes. That's not happening again. <laughs> that's a way yeah. to ruin opening day yeah yeah that was a suffer fest 
Yes, mosquitoes were terrible. Yeah. So, but how about you, Jeff? Um, so I got a couple of really good opening day tips, I think. Um, one really good idea for opening day hunts is hunt apples. If you can find apples, hunt apples because you don't need to worry about, you know, the so much even like the weather you know because like the weather can affect a lot of hunting fields um you know because if it's really hot um you know the deer don't want to come out until later um so i i really recommend hunting apples um even if you have like a a deer feeder you know spilling out corn a lot of times apples are a better strategy to go with you know the 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 deer really want to eat the apples that time of year um you know the starchiness of the corn when it being hot uh you know it's it's too high energy of a food source really um and another good strategy i have is don't hunt the morning of opening day and this is a do as I say, not as I do thing. But <laughs> uh, it's it's really not a good idea to hunt the morning of opening day because all you're really doing is educating deer. You know, if you go and hunt the evening of opening day, that's when the deer are typically more active. You know, and you're gonna have better luck if you go and hunt the morning of opening day all you're doing is putting your human scent like in that area and the deer might walk by midday you know because they get up midday to eat a little bit and then if you go in the evening well they they now know like oh hey there was a human here you know sometime today and i'm not going to come by this evening right so is there I, is there ever a scenario where you would hunt opening the morning of opening day? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I do it a lot because I can't keep myself out of the woods or, you know, out of the stand. Um, <laughs> right. But if obviously if I if I had, you know, recent scouting information that, oh, hey. Uh, deer are coming through here in the morning. They're feeding in this field in the morning. They're, you know, using this trail or whatever. Or like, you know, deer are feeding in that field in the morning. And I, the only way out of there is to come back through this trail. You know, I, I would hunt and I would advise you to hunt like i i would say that's a good idea to hunt um that's kind of the scenario i was thinking right not i wouldn't rely on trail camera because you have to go in there and put scent in to check the camera but if you've got visual like you know you're you can observe from some distance away and you know every morning after daylight you got deer in an area that that you know you can kind of slip in the back way and catch them coming out of that field 
that would be the time or the scenario that I could think of that I would consider hunting the morning of opening day. Yeah. You know, with, with, with fairly high confidence of success. Yeah. And morning hunting and like I day hunting um, can be very successful if you're one of those people who has like closed canopy woods to hunt um, in early season because the deer, because it's hot, the deer like to be in that closed canopy. It's cooler in there. So right. if you know of a good deer trail or a good pinch point in closed canopy forest that you can sneak into, um, you know, it, that may be a good place to hunt, you know, around the 10, 10 o'clock time, you know, nine, 10 o'clock in the morning, the deer might be up and moving and you, you definitely can catch them, but it's, you're going to be hot and you're really going to have to worry about your scent because you're probably going to be sweating like crazy. Yeah. Now, you know, I'll caveat that with, uh, if you just need some therapy, you know, just, uh, maybe, maybe go, maybe don't go hunt your best spot. If you're just looking for some stand therapy, you know, just, I just got to get out in the woods, you know, but by all means, yeah, we'll, you, we'll, go, we'll be the last people to tell people to stay out of the go woods. Go hunt your buddy's spot. <laughs> go <laughs> go hunt go. his spot. Opening day. Go hunt there. Or hunt the line between you and the neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think I might do that this year is like, just go hunt like just basically like the very edge you yeah. know like don't even set foot in the woods just like hunt hunt the edge you know like maybe i'll go you know and in, in my backyard or dad you know dad won't be out opening day yeah. and you know just just the very edge and just just to say i was out there yeah. and then the evening in the evening it's going to be on yeah okay so so jeff we talked about not hunting opening day did we did you cover sort of your your plans for opening day or your opening day strategy i mean apples i mean that's what i'm going to be looking for okay apples and edge i mean i'm i'm hunting after the afternoon is you know hunting field edges on in the afternoon and hunting apples you know those are going to be my early season tactics i'm gonna leave the deep woods for later in the year so i guess another thing that i'll add and we've kind of touched around it is Another strategy, and it's not only an opening day strategy, but any of these like high hunter participation days is hunt the other hunters, right? If you know your neighbors or, you know, you've got a piece of prop, it's public ground, you know, and, and people typically hunt such and such area and just think about where it's going to push the deer, right? And, and if you can set up in a way that you're going to, catch the deer as they're being 
pushed out of their their normal areas, that can be a really good strategy. I mean, we did that that parks cleanup, and the and the the guy from the parks talked about um, opening day of pheasant season. Like, there's guys in there, and they all start at the parking lot and spread out basically. And so, if you can get yourself in the back corner, set up in the back corner of this property. Now it's a little dicey, right? Because you're, you're deer hunting while they're out there, you know, with, with a bow while they're out there with shotguns, but you know, wear your orange and, and make sure you're seen if, as you know, people right. start to filter by you, but. Right. You're, you're out there up in a tree while people are shooting at birds that fly in the air. Yeah. So it, I was thinking could, if I did that, it'd be it would a little be, dicey. Yeah, if I did that, it would be a. I would probably stay on the ground. See, I think I would just be like the fool, head to toe, not wear anything but blaze orange. And but still get up in a tree. Yeah, I think I would. I mean, I. I don't know. You definitely have better odds, right? Like they're especially in that scenario because they've been bumped by people and dogs on the ground, right? They're going to be. Looking back, they you know they'd be a little flustered. Yeah. Being in a tree, I think you you would definitely have better odds. It would just be a matter of like, if there was some way where you could like communicate with the the, the pheasant hunters, be like, hey guys, I'm gonna be in a tree back in this corner. Just you know, I'm gonna have lots of orange on. I'm gonna wrap the tree in an, in orange. It's gonna be lots <laughs> of orange. <laughs> Put, Don't shoot uh, put a big sign, put a big sign on your car, you know, because you'll be there before everybody else. Big poster board go. on the back, like I'm gonna be right here deer hunting. There you go. Don't Do shoot not me. shoot me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, could be a good strategy. Uh, but just, I guess, to get back to my original point, any of these high participation days, right? Opening day, like like Jeff said, you know, do as I say, not as I do, right? The, it, Guys just want to be in the woods, right? And so you can use that as a strategy of, okay, I know your average guy is going to come into this spot and, and set down or whatever. So if I can be, you know, whatever, 100 yards farther in, then you might, and obviously that's an access thing and getting there early and, and all of that. There's a lot of strategy that goes into that but it can be a successful tactic. I don't know what yeah. my specific plans are for opening day. I guess we'll probably be at the parks, possibly. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably be there. And with you saying hunt the other hunters, I there's a, uh, a gas line that runs through our hunting area that, you know, is typically mowed down pretty well. So probably make a pretty good deer escape route and there's so, another zone to the south of us right? right 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 so there's two zones you know like it's two squares you know there's another zone to the south of us and then there's another zone to the south of that one that this gas line runs straight through the middle of both of them you know all three of them if you will so deer could just run straight up that gas line yeah to get out of there and that might be a strategy 
you know, if we if we can't stay out of the woods, maybe go sit on that gas line and try to catch him. You know, if the other guys can't stay out of the woods either, hopefully right. they'll push deer up that gas line. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else you guys want to touch on? Any closing thoughts? I have a piece of news. So. Okay. I ran got? out of venison today. Ground venison. Oh. Yeah. I'm all out. I have no ground what venison. What a failure. What a failure. Yeah. I mean, I had I had to keep my venison stock a little low this year because we were getting a quarter of beef. So we needed freezer room for it. So, and... I, I mean, I still have ground beef, but yeah, I used up my last pack of ground venison, so. Well, and you didn't I'll, plan on COVID, and you, so you probably, right. I, everybody's eating at home a lot more. Right, right, that too, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm out. I got, what is, two, two full months, basically, of no ground venison, and that's if I get one, you know, opening day. Dude. Speaking of venison, I made, and we've talked about this before, this, this roast that comes off the front of the, the hind quarter. I think it's like a tip roast or like a sirloin tip. I don't know. It's kind of that football shaped chunk of meat comes off the front of the hind leg. Mm -hmm. I made, and we've talked about the instant pot in the past, how I'm not a super fan, but I, uh, I used it to make venison barbacoa, instant pot venison barbacoa, out of that chunk of meat. And I, so I, I cubed it up into big chunks. And what cubing it up allowed me to do, this was sort of a, a secondary benefit. The recipe said cube it up and, and like sear it on all sides. So you get that nice brown, crispy crust. But, Side benefit is chunking that piece of meat up. You know, it looks like a, a solid chunk of meat, but there's a lot of like tissue and, and, and things in there that it allows you to like clean that up and get really good looking hunks of meat. Get all that, you know, like if you ever cook that piece of meat as a roast, when it cooks down, you know, you'll see like there's kind of weird connective tissue and stuff in there. Well, cubing it up before cooking it, you get all that out of there, sear it in the, I guess it's the sear setting on the Instant Pot, sear it in there in some oil and, you know, whatever the barbacoa recipe, the, the uh, chilies and adobo sauce, you know, all that stuff. And man, did that stuff, I think I used a bigger chunk of meat than, I didn't weigh the meat. I think the recipe was like for a three pound chunk of meat and you know, that was probably more like a five, six pound roast or something. <clears throat> but so it was a little bit like I expected the flavors to be bolder, but aside from that, like the, the meat turned out super tender and it, it wasn't tough at all. Like it was, it was awesome. And we ate on that for, couple days you know i uh it was so i would i will definitely make that again and i highly recommend it to 
and I just, you know, whatever, search for a barbacoa recipe. You're basically just looking for the seasoning, but then I'm, I cooked it out of that tip roast, cubed it up, seared it in the instant pot. You could sear it in a cast iron skillet or, or whatever, you know. And then uh, you could also do it, you know, a lot of this stuff is, they, it's a slow cooker recipe. You could do it in a slow cooker too. I just, this was one instance where, you know, you can do it in like an hour versus like the slow cooker recipes are talking like six, eight hours, you know, on low, right. just low and slow, you know. But definitely recommend that. Venison barbacoa in the Instant Pot. <laughs> so... I still have some venison. I think I haven't done the full um, freezer dissection, but I think I just opened my last pack of jerky from last year. So yeah, I still got a little bit of everything, but I haven't. I have my stuff divided between three different coolers because my wife gets down there and messes up my system. But. <laughs> I got to go through and figure out exactly what I have so that I know, so I can make sure I have it all scheduled out to have room. And I got to get it. If there's a bunch left, I don't think there's a bunch, but if there is, I got to make sure I start going more to venison heavy recipes to get through it. But I'm pretty sure I'm on a good pace. I don't think I have a stockpile anywhere. That's all good. I got venison tacos waiting for me upstairs so jump off here and go get some dinner all right i had venison brats for dinner before we started so nice i have beef first. for dinner because i'm out of venison <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah, don't sound so don't sound so emotional jeff <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah all right all right guys well enjoy your evening and Thank you all for listening. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully you're getting excited for hunting season to open this fall. It's not far at this point. So getting things, getting gear, you know, out and tuned up, getting plans in place, figuring out some of those details so that come, you know, opening day, opening weekend, whatever it is, you're not scrambling around. So, With that, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and sharing. Sharing means a lot to us. That's how the podcast gets out there, right? We can post it to social, but if you guys don't share it and tell people about it, it doesn't really go anywhere. So if you enjoyed this or if you enjoy any of our content, please, please share the content with your your friends, your family, whoever you think might enjoy it, and if you tag us then we know you've shared it and we can say thank you so with that i want to thank everybody for listening and we'll talk to you all next week Mm